Uh, hi, I'm Allie Gertz. And I'm Julia Prescott. And, and everything's, everything's Coming, coming up, up Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the tomfoolery of Professor John Frank. <laughs> <laughs> we just <laughs> decided that was the new sponsor. Also gum in your hair. Also gum in your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Also, Quentin Tarantino's uh, <laughs> filmography. We have a lot of people helping out the podcast Yeah, today. we get a lot of emails. <laughs> uh, so today we have uh, a very special guest that we're very excited to have. We're joined by Bill Oakley. Thank you so much for doing the show. That's my pleasure. Uh, we are big fans of the things you've done. <laughs> <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so we've had the privilege of getting to talk to a few uh, writers of The Simpsons in the past, and I think one of the most exciting things about it is that, uh, at least from from what we've seen, you're not jerks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who it's are the uh, jerks? Can you tell us? <laughs> I think we're on our best be- – we can be on our best behavior for 45 minutes or so, but if you spend a day in the room with us, I think you would probably say we're jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's true? Do you think that uh, you guys – did you ever uh, get into big fights and punch each other and talk, talk or was trash? That just Conan. <laughs> I think we're more passive-aggressive than that, although uh, I remember like at least family. one scene where people nearly – two where people nearly came to blows um, in season – seven and eight <laughs> but yeah i mean i don't know you guys read that simpsons book i'm sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so today the episode that we are talking about is 22 short films about springfield uh what was the reason that you chose this episode out of the many that you could have picked from i think this is my favorite episode i mean it's a tough call between this also i mean this is probably my favorite episode that i worked on um and it certainly contains my favorite thing i ever wrote personally which is the um skinner and the superintendent segment yeah. but the um the episode itself is you know i actually just watched it in preparation for this and it's good but you know i don't i don't love it as much as i thought <laughs> i oh, loved really? it it's still very good um but um it's just got a lot of cool little nooks and crannies that i that i think are neat yeah, yeah, and I'm sure that, like, everybody working on an episode together in this fashion, I mean, obviously, you work together in the room, but then somebody, of course, goes off and writes an episode if they pitched it, um, but everybody sort of collaborating, I, I'm sure, was a, a special experience. Definitely. I mean, that's, like, that was the fun of this, is it was really self-indulgent, and uh, everybody got to choose their favorite character. I'm, I'm, I mean, if you look on the DVD commentary and Wikipedia, I mean, we literally did everybody put their two or three favorite characters on a piece of paper and we literally put them in a hat and <laughs> we drew them out of the thing and everybody got to write a self-indulgent two page, three page thing of their favorite character. Um, and then Greg stitched them all together. But um, yeah, I mean, you rarely get more self-indulgent than that on the Simpsons because it's such a collaborative process that um, no matter how personal your thing is, it's going to get heavily rewritten and changed just by the needs of the show in this since the, episode, since the little mini-episodes were so short, um, a lot of them went on virtually unchanged. Yeah. And what was the original uh, evolution of this as an episode? Like, you know, had it been on the wall for a while? Like, we want to do, you know, kind of an unconventional episode of The Simpsons featuring the other characters. It was actually that thing. Um, there was this episode in season four called The Front um, with Grandpa that came in really short. And they did that thing. I was there you know, Josh and I had just started working there when they did it. Um, and the episode came back short and they're like, let's make up something really quick to fill in the last 30 seconds. The idea of a Simpsons episode coming back short is so foreign to me. Mm-hmm. Like, cause our episodes always came back like four minutes long and it was <laughs> agonizing to cut them. But, um, that was a different era. And so they've made up that thing with the Ned Flanders, with the hens love roosters, geese, geese love ganders, everyone else loves Ned Flanders. And it was just like one of those little tiny things, like the Archie's gag bag. Yeah. You know, with that they would just use to fill pages in Archie, and um, Josh and I always thought that was so neat. And we always were trying to find a way to put one of those on the end of an episode, but our episodes always came back so long that there wasn't, there was no room for anything extra. So we just finally decided, I think, let's make a whole episode of those um, and stitch them all together somehow. And it was right around the time that Pulp Fiction came out, and I think we were like, we can craft a way that this actually holds together as an episode. Um, you know, using that sort of format. Yeah, and it comes across so well, too, in all the Pulp Fiction references. Like, they work for the characters and for the story, but are also very hilarious. Um, it's so fun. Uh, we we kind of deal with this a lot 
when we revisit the episode, since we were children when this came out, I mean, I definitely didn't realize that it was a Pulp Fiction reference because I definitely was not allowed to watch <laughs> Pulp Fiction when this came out. Yeah. Uh, so it has it had already been a favorite episode of mine, but then to rewatch it when I'm like. 13 or 14 and getting into Quentin Tarantino and all these cool dark movies then it just adds this brand new layer to it which made it even more you know I'm very curious did you if you remember when you watched it like did you like it, how long did it take you to realize that it wasn't a regular episode and like where's the story because like I can easily see people who weren't familiar with this type of thing going when is the story going to start <laughs> you know because it just meanders all over the place and never stops meandering um, and I can see someone who wasn't prepared for that really reacting negatively and I think that's kind of what happened during the read of this script by the way really um, as a kid watching it you're just laughing at all the jokes and having a fun time seeing Bart and Milhouse, you know, kind of looking at the city. Right. And there's definitely a narrative there because of the Bart and uh, Milhouse, Milhouse story dynamic, of yeah. just kind of like nothing happens in this town. Like y you and then you watch everything happen. Yeah. So it made total sense. But it was also very exciting for a Simpsons episode to kind of get to get to see all of these characters that you normally don't. Yeah. Uh, so as a as a kid I I only loved it. Right, right. And also as like a, a child viewer, I was just so trusting of what you guys were doing that I just <laughs> Oh, that was misplaced trust. I was like, this must be art. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm on board. <laughs> I was learning about, you know, comedy and about uh, writing and, and all of that as I was watching <laughs> it. And just, yeah, I, I would have followed you guys off a cliff. Uh, but <laughs> but when, when this episode came out, uh, I, was, I was five years old. <laughs> so oh boy. I, I don't think that uh, kindergarten version of myself was was really angry. <laughs> that there mm, was okay, a, good. A more uh, fluid narrative. <laughs> Does it feel weird hearing that people were in kindergarten watching The Simpsons when you were? Yes, I can't stand it. To be honest, <laughs> I, <was laughs> I still consider say, myself Allie, mentally about thirty-one <laughs> years old. So when you say um, that, it makes it it causes me to have a, a mental disconnect. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> It's okay. She's leaving. So. Yeah, I'll go. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'll just get a fake ID and yeah, <laughs> say I was older than I was. <laughs> what were some of your other favorite moments from this episode that came from uh, other writers that contributed to it? Man, I think everybody was operating at the top of their game in, in this episode. Like um, the Cletus segment, which was done by Steve Tompkins, especially that song with the yokel. Like I, I love, just like oh, you guys. That's one of the song. things that really. I love it when somebody writes something. I mean, and I really respect it that I could never have come up with in a billion years. And that rhyme of yokel and focal, it, it seems so obvious in retrospect, but at the time it was just staggeringly brilliant. That was all Tompkins. It's so um, good. But a lot of that stuff, I mean, uh, you know, and uh, I could go on about it. I think we did this in the DVD, so I don't want to repeat it, but like uh, David Cohen wrote that thing with. Reverend Lovejoy's dog crapping on Flanders' oh, lawn. <laughs> and it just came from such a dark, weird place. Like, David Cohen is the nicest guy in the world, and he never... <sighs> He never did. A, he never did or said anything evil. But when these things came out of him, you were shocked. Like, because this is kind of it's dark. It's a dark concept that Terrifier and Lovejoy purposely <laughs> takes his sheepdog to crap on Flanders' lawn. But um, you know, it came out great. Um, and there are dozens of little moments like that in the show that you know that people brought to uh, that they brought their favorite character to life in a, in a fun, different way. I love the Lovejoy moment, not only because it's funny, but it just adds so much depth to that dynamic. Absolutely. It, I love those little quirks that you that really expand on, on their relationship yeah. and that character as a whole. It, there's nothing funnier than, <laughs> than, than not liking the guy who likes you the most. I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Uh, so uh, tell him good job. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of the thing that... that inspired this episode to a degree is the fact that there's such a rich, I mean, the whole, the, what, the part that Sam Simon created, the whole world of Springfield that exists beyond just the family. And I personally am very, very interested in what goes on in that world and what happens when Skinner, that's, I mean, that's like what happens when Skinner and Chalmers are talking and there's no Simpsons to have to be crammed into the scene. You know, mm -hmm. I think a lot of episodes kind of suffered from the fact that the Simpsons had to be forced into the story when because they're the stars of the show, <laughs> even though we just wanted to indulge ourselves 
you know, like the third act of that uh, Millhouse divorce show where we were like, oh, we better make it about the Simpsons, even though we just kind of wanted to meditate on Luann and and Millhouse and and Kirk um, without dealing with the Simpsons anyway. So this episode allowed us to do that. Uh, something that Josh was telling us that was uh, that there was kind of this idea of there being a Springfield TV show that wasn't. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Um, me and Josh and Matt wanted to do a spinoff of The Simpsons that was going to be called Springfield Stories or whatever. That was going to be like that was going to have uh, there were a couple of different incarnations of it. But one of it, one of them was that we were going to have three different. It was going to be like, um, you know, one of those novelty episodes we did with three different acts, like the spinoff showcase or whatever, that um, each act was going to have a different story. And one story would be about the, you know, what Skinner was doing. And then another story might be about little Homer or like a little story about Homer when he was 10 or something like that. And it would basically use all the mechanisms and characters that existed in the universe, but avoid you know, doing family-based stories, which was the stock and trade of the Simpsons. Um, and we were all pretty excited about it for, this was like in 2005, or 2006, something like that. Oh, wow. That oh, would have been great for that time. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. I had no idea that that's when it was happening. Right, right. I, I guess I just assumed that it would have been like the mid to late 90s. Yeah, same. When it was like, uh, you know, well, not peak Simpsons. Simpsons has been pretty constant. But yeah, but yeah that's great. Oh, I, w- I'm, I'm I mean, there's still time. There's still time, I suppose. We could still make that happen if we petition. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many signatures do we yeah, need? Yeah, we, we brought Jericho back. We can, <laughs> we can do anything. We all know how that worked out. Yeah, yeah. Well, you, we, we, we brought it back. Uh, we, the royal we, I did not sign the petition. Uh, didn't right. for the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that would have been great. And I'm sure uh, people would, would still love it. Uh, during the uh, FXX Simpsons, Every Simpsons Ever Marathon, uh, it was really, really exciting when this episode came on because I think it is very beloved. And uh, throughout the marathon, it was just really exciting to watch everyone kind of watching it together for the first time in years. Yeah. I mean, aside from like syndication, but you know, I didn't know when other people were watching The Simpsons. I, right. You had no way of like live telling people what you thought of each joke so it was such a unique and cool experience to go on twitter while this was on and everybody yeah. was hashtagging steamed hams yeah <laughs> yeah and uh not to well i'll just say it it's the best part of the episode it's perfect hey thank you <laughs> yeah yeah i was watching it uh with my boyfriend and and the scene started and all i said was steamed hams like it was completely normal <laughs> And uh, that hashtag Steam Pam has really devolved since the marathon. Don't click <laughs> on it. Don't click on it. It's not what you want. The pictures are not nice to <laughs> look at. They're not nice. <laughs> um, this, this episode has so many iconic things in it. And I, I don't know if it's just because it's such a, a weird episode in terms of what's normal of The Simpsons. But for me, it has so many moments that I will always kind of keep in my back pocket, uh, especially the... Uh, the very tall man. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I uh, I say that often. Uh, yeah, the, uh, a lot of great moments like that <laughs> that play out in real life. I think. Yeah, and because this is um, you know such a rich episode, uh, there's so many savory morsels because it's coming from so many different writers and so many different minds and you know joke styles and characters. Like it, it's just it's really jam packed. Yeah. Also, I'm I'm realizing. I mean, there are a couple through lines of this because you it is the family still because you have you have the initial Bart and Millhouse, but then you also have all the Gum and Lisa's hair, yeah, which right. is such a great, funny, weird thing to yeah. just have. Everyone happens to have their own remedy. Right. Right. And just yeah, the the capital city goofball just being there. <laughs> um, yeah, that was just because we couldn't fit all those other characters in. They all had to be forced into that scene. <laughs> I love that. Uh, are there any other uh, moments of this episode that you particularly love that either you did or did not work on? Totally. You know, let me look. I actually, I, yes, there are dozens of them. Um, <laughs> I, lo- I love the, I love the very tall man. Cause I was just thinking of watching that and wondering, was that the, I, I think that was the very first appearance of the very tall man. Right. Um, and <laughs> Bill, let I'm us asking know. you guys, <laughs> I think it was, he was just concocted because we needed someone 
you know, who didn't have a history with Nelson to suddenly appear and be like the, you know, the justice bringer. And we just made it Ian Maxtone Graham. I mean, that's Ian Maxtone Graham. And that like voice, I also remember directing this and Hank was like, what kind of voice should this guy have? And we were like, probably not Ian's voice because he sounds all preppy. And then he's like, oh, let me do the Tippy Turtle. And I gather this voice is taken from that car- old cartoon character, Tippy Turtle, mm-hmm. who just talks really slow. And like the idea that, that this guy is so tall that his metabolism functions <laughs> at such a rate that his voice is deep and slow and weird. It's just like, anyway, I do like that. But yeah. there's, yeah, there's a ton of stuff I like. I love the segment that Rachel wrote. Rachel, my wife, wrote the um, Bumblebee Man segment. Oh, that's so cool. That segment. I mean, I love anything that sort of peels back these um, very two-dimensional, or, or as we perceive them, very two-dimensional characters. Yeah, it's so humanizing. But also, what a great gag! <laughs> I know. Oh, I love to see him in his without his costume on, and that he's like. I, I think that we went to great because uh, Rachel is is Mexican American, and like we went to lengths to kind of make it like you'll notice they have the only Spanish-style house in Springfield, and <laughs> they have a Chihuahua, yeah. and like and they. They still speak in – even at home, they still speak in that kind of broken Spanglish. Like many of those words aren't real. I'm sure people who don't speak Spanish know this. I don't speak Spanish. They're just made-up words that sound like Spanish. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, that was really fun. There's tons of – you know, I love the Pulp Fiction stuff. I love Josh's thing about the Roger Moore, um, photo of Sean Connery yeah. signed by Roger Moore. <laughs> um, Apu, I love, the, I love the Dr. Nick stuff. I hadn't seen that in a long time. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love it when he gets serious. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yes, yes, and that's a parody. Like I was thinking, oh, that's I was all a parody of ER, and then I was like, oh yeah, ER. That hasn't been on for eighteen years. That show. <laughs> um, anyway, yes. So that was all. Oh, and the end. I love the end with with Professor Frank. I mean, that song. Yeah. There doesn't. I would say every six weeks, somebody in my house sings that song and says that monkey's gonna pay. Same. That is that has been that has been a recurring thing between uh, me and my dad for for years and years. <laughs> oh God, it's so good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and and again, like the music in The Simpsons is so great. You guys really, really killed it with that. And especially within this episode, you know, we've got the Cleta song and we've got the Skinner song and we've got that song. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I also write music, and uh, the Simpsons songs are one of the greater influences because they are funny, but they're actually good songs. And sometimes you get one or the other and not both. Yeah, and, and they're sung so goddamn seriously. Yeah, always. <laughs> um, like uh, like Lurleen. Like yeah. those songs, like they're, they're beautiful, but they're also so funny. Yeah, I love it. Contextually or just lyrically. Was there anything from this episode that you remember didn't actually make it to air? I do well. First, I should say also Ken Keeler wrote the song. Ken Keeler, during the year that we were running the show, Ken Keeler wrote most of the, not most but not all of the songs, and he wrote that Skinner and the Superintendent song, um, you know, sort of to uh, to the specifications of, of the script. Um, but I really like that song, of course. Um, there was a couple deleted things on the DVD, like this whole thing. I don't remember who wrote it. It might have been Josh about the um, with. Have you seen this? It's. Um, Ralph sitting next to Krusty in a first-class airplane segment. I mean, sorry. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't think I do. No, me neither. Okay, there's deleted scenes from the DVD, and there was a segment where Krusty was um, flying first-class, and I guess Ralph got upgraded for some reason because he was going to bar for something and was sitting next to Krusty. Um, that was one that got cut. Oh. Um, and there's another. I mean, this thing, this whole thing was – gigantic the script was 64 pages when it first came together and like a ton of stuff had to be cut but i think that was the only thing that got animated that was cut um it was uh it was really cool i was talking a little bit about the fxx marathon already but josh had uh tweeted pictures of the script of the steamed hams segment And it's uh, it's almost exact. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was me. That was me who tweeted those. It was Josh oh, who found the script. Oh, he retweeted it then. That, uh, that, that it was Josh actually who found the script of the Ralph and Krusty segment. That's oh, what you're. That's, that's what I'm thinking, what I'm thinking of. Thinking. Yeah, it was. So, what was your experience like during this marathon? Because uh, it, I feel like it must have been very cool, surreal, and yeah, weird, mm-hmm, yeah. Um, it was, it was weird. Uh, and, and I should say, I wish that they had done that. I wish that they would do that thing that we 
uh, asked them to do, which is to run the whole marathon again, staggered by 12 hours. Because, like, a lot of my favorite episodes ended up airing, like, between 2 and 5 a.m. And I was asleep. (laughs) So, like, then we came back and... It just seemed like a lot of the episodes, just the nature of a marathon is that half the stuff is going to air when people are asleep. So um, it didn't work as quite as well as I'd hoped, but it was fun. Like, it was fun to see everybody, definitely Twitter brought it all together. Um, And a lot of people suddenly started Twitter accounts like John Vitti, who who never tweeted before. And then we were all kind of interacting with each other. That It was kind of like a little bit of an online reunion to some extent. Yeah, it kind of, uh, as someone who is uh, only a fan of the show, it kind of felt like I, I was watching stuff that I wasn't supposed to be watching when you guys were <laughs> all interacting. I was just like, am I allowed to be here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Are we in the writer's room? <laughs> it did feel like that. It was yeah. really cool that, uh, I mean, I felt like a voyeur, but it felt really awesome and exciting to kind of get more insight i feel like that with commentary too but this this felt more uh, natural and and like you you guys were only doing it because you wanted to do it i don't think anyone was making you tweet these things no they certainly weren't paying us (laughs) (laughs) like the same with the ds with the dvd commentaries after that was what happened with season eight i was like wait a minute At, at a certain point i was like we're sure devoting an awful lot of time to this for something that is not that is making a lot of money for someone else and not paying us a cent. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's the way that Fox operates, of course. It's genius. Yeah. You, you, well, you should have been tweeting about Carl's Jr. as well as the marathon. Then oh, you damn it. I know. I know. Next time I'm yeah. going to get a sponsored tweet gotta, thing. Gotta talk about those, uh, those premium salads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the $6 burger. Me, that's what I'd be talking about. business tip. <laughs> they have veggie burgers now. Ooh, great. I welcome our new sponsor. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our new insect overlords. I'm going to say that every time. You, you, you haven't stopped yet? Nope. <laughs> it works in every situation. Uh, Julia, is there any moment of this episode that uh, you think of most, like when you remember your first time watching it? Hmm. I think I think the tall man. The tall man. Yeah. When you're a kid, it's just such. A, and also, just seeing seeing a bully get their comeuppings. Absolutely. Is very exciting. Absolutely. Especially yeah. when you yourself are not a bully. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's kind of a fantasy. I think about that in real life because because I am kind of a tall person, so be, it becomes relevant. And I think about uh, this is not in this episode, but I think about that moment, and I think about um, I am tired of uh, people <laughs> talking about my large hand. The first such incident occurred every time. Because I do stand up, every time I write my set on my hand, I play out that uh, line. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how many times I've said, uh, "This is the only automobile I could afford." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, I, I love the formality of that <laughs> automobile. Yeah, it's so great. Uh, I don't know how I, uh, I don't know how I get it to come up as much as it does, but uh, <laughs> but I do. Love <laughs> finds a way. Hi, I'm Allie Gertz. This is the only automobile I could afford. Automobile. Automobile. Yeah, it works. Um, what about you? What's your favorite part? Not favorite. I mean, the steamed hams is definitely my favorite. But I think the part that stuck with me the most when I was a kid was uh, was Smithers getting stung by the bee because oh, yeah. that really scared me. <laughs> it is scary. It's in retrospect, it seems like Smithers is going to be dead because yes, he leaves him on. The, he, they leave him in the ambulance bay. Um, and he said that these things make me die. And like, <laughs> I don't know. It's it is a little scary. Yeah, <laughs> they they but caused I, me to uh, die. die. <laughs> yeah, and I love the choice, of course, of of them picking up Mr. Burns because he looks more withered and uh, and in picking pain. and then picking up the bicycle. Yeah, right. Such yeah. a good gag. Yeah. Um, let's read some of the stuff you may have missed. So, are you uh, are you familiar with these giant uh, episode guidebooks? Uh, we have seasons one through twenty. This giant Ultimate Simpsons guide. Oh yeah, I have it right here. Simpsons World, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're going to read a couple things from the stuff you may have missed, which, you know, how could you not miss a couple things when there are a million things happening? Some, some of these in the early, we've noticed in the earlier episodes, they're like, um, God has five fingers in this scene. Like, it's something that you're just like, why like would very you, trivial. why would you commit this to a page? <laughs> 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 but, um, but these are, these are kind of fun, especially for an episode like this. Um, this is one of only four Simpsons episodes to be broadcast with its title on screen. The others being the Telltale Head. 
Bart gets hit by a car, and The Simpsons 138th episode spectacular. And I, for one, really loved that the title was on the screen. It, like, made it extra special. Yeah. I think it had to be because people would, again, I think people would have derailed after a certain point when not being able to find where the plot is. Like, I think your brain is like, oh, your brain wants to latch on to what the story is. And since it's clear that there's not going to be any story we had to have all those disclaimers at the, I mean, theoretical disclaimers, like here's the title of the episode. And then Bart saying, everybody's got their story very archly. So people knew, at least were eased into the fact that this wasn't going to be a standard storytelling, you know, venture. Right. Yeah. Because the other times that this type of thing happens, usually Troy McClure is there to kind of fill you in on what's right. going on. Yeah, exactly. And it made it way more cinematic too. Yeah. It, I mean, it, it it's just such a fun episode because it really is, so unlike everything else but each each it i can't believe that it's just the normal length of an episode because each yeah. little segment feels kind of like its own episode like because would you say short film i would say short film <laughs> <laughs> good I'm glad, I'm glad we're on the same page um i would say that the rest of these stuff you may have missed are kind of trivial too but i'll but i'll read them i'm committing to this bit um in order to ring up a 14 billion dollar tab at moe's barney would need to drink 10 uh. beers a day at two dollars a piece for roughly 1.95 million years fun <laughs> Th- thanks intern <laughs> that calculated that math um something so uh something that we kind of talk about on the podcast is that we we just we love to love the simpsons but we don't need all of the like minutia, minutia. and we don't need to know all the very very specifics because there clearly are those simpsons fans that know what lisa is reading in in every episode or know all the right. things but when I went to trivia, uh, Julia hosts uh, co-hosts the yeah. Stonecutters trivia, which is very uh-huh. fun. Yeah, we do it at Meltdown Comics. I I was one of the I was on one of the like guest teams or something, and uh, someone said to me before I started because I've made it quite loud that I like The Simpsons, just like oh I bet you know the most about The Simpsons, and I corrected them to say I feel the most about The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I think that there's a difference. Yeah, and that you know that's. I, I think what m- what matters more than the trivial little <laughs> details that it's more about like the heart yeah, and the relationships and yeah the stories that are being told. Yeah, how did the episode make you feel? Uh, it's usually oh, it made me laugh a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do, I am grateful that there are those people that will say yeah. Uh, the trivia. I mean, like the thing is that like if, if you be, if if you become too immersed in the trivia, you realize that the people making the show aren't really that concerned with it. Like. The Simpsons' address has changed several times. Homer addresses Homer's age has changed several times, and right. you know things of that nature. So you can't be too cons- as long as you're you know I think being eighty percent consumed with it is the healthy amount <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to be consumed with it. Yeah, that's a good number. Yeah, I I, I, I think so too. And I'm sure I mean I I remember like when I remember in the fourth season like people didn't even know all the characters' names like. Uh, and people, these are people who've been on the show since day one. Like I remember, we had to call John Vitti up from his office to tell us who Wendell was. That's great. And like you know, this was and nine out of the ten writers didn't know the name of Wendell in the fourth <laughs> season. How could you forget Wendell? Wendell's it was only Vitti. So I mean, that's just I think that's that's an illustrative lesson right, <laughs> that it's exactly. not necessary to enjoy the show or even create the show. I mean, it helps if you know who most of the characters are, but you don't have to know Wendell's name. Right, right, right. And I'm sure you get this, too, just like in attending, you know, Comic-Con type things. Um, but, you know, when, when somebody quotes maybe something very specific from an episode of The Simpsons that you worked on, uh, maybe it takes a moment to remember just because uh, I'm sure, like, since you're in the thick of it, you're working hard, working hard on an episode, and then you move on to the next, and you kind of have to, like, dump out the contents from the previous week and focus on the next week. Yeah, well, all of that sort of stuck in. Unfortunately, it's all still stuck in my head. Oh, okay. <laughs> it never. It's like it's cluttered, and I still when I see the when I see these episodes, I'm still here twenty years later, going like, oh, we should have done a retake on that scene. We should have oh. chosen that line. That wasn't the exact right reading that Grandpa should have had in that scene. And here I, and I, you know, it still consumes me twenty years later. So yeah, no, my brain hasn't hasn't emptied out at all. It's very unhealthy. Well, when we had Josh on the show, he mentioned that there was one joke. From uh, his entire work on The Simpsons, that he was is it on. Rover Hendricks? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we we talk about that. I mean, I think we've talked about that on DVD commentaries and other stuff. But yeah, that was 
like, I mean, sometimes you just want to get out, you know, and right, you just want right. to say like, fuck it. We're going to, I'm sorry. I shouldn't curse on the podcast. No, no, you, I? We've had an explicit do. rating. <laughs> okay. But yeah, I mean, sometimes look, honestly, the case is the Simpsons is, even though it's the best job on the best show in the history of mankind, <laughs> it's still to some extent a job. And at some point reality takes over and you're like, that's good enough. We've got to move on. And that was the case with Rover Hendricks. <laughs> Well, I've spoken to people that love the show, and, and they, for one, love uh, Rover Hendricks. <laughs> well, see, there you go. What was the point? Surprised. We didn't really need to stay for another hour that night to yeah. fix Rover Hendricks because people thought it was good enough. <laughs> yeah. uh, so do you, do you uh, encounter a lot of people that will tell you certain quotes? or just Do you, do you have to be around fans often enough that you are dealing with this, like just people quoting your own stuff back to you or – well, certainly on Twitter, that happens right. every single day, a lot <laughs> on Twitter. Um, in real life, it doesn't. It happens maybe once a month. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> I mean, people know. I mean, like people who know me and are my close friends don't quote Simpsons to me all day long. I mean, <laughs> it's just like um, it, it just it doesn't. I don't know. I, I suppose if I hung out with a different sort of crowd, there might be more Simpsons quoters. But I, I don't mind Simpsons quoters. I, I, uh, I'm pleased that that stuff is, has stood the test of time. And I love – I still – I'm the one who buys those – like I have four – and Josh bought me some – four different Simpsons T-shirts. Like I got the Hellfish T-shirt. I got the Steamed Hams T-shirt. I got the Lard Lad Donuts T-shirt. Um, and one, one other one. Like I mean I still like that stuff. Um, something that is is kind of a delicate balance that we deal with is, well, are we allowed to quote jokes to Simpsons writers, or is that embarrassing or weird? You know, oh, like... I think we've we've really <laughs> crossed that line several times, and it's totally okay. <laughs> We're still living. We're still okay. Uh, <laughs> but it's something that I mean, there are so many lines uh, throughout the series that have kind of entered our our everyday vocabulary that sometimes it takes watching an episode again to realize that that's where it came from. Oh, right. Yeah. And, uh, there, I feel like yoink. Yeah. Uh, yoink is every day. Every day. Mm-hmm. Did that originate with the Simpsons? I could have sworn we took it from Archie. Oh, I really? like people have constantly quoted, um, but maybe I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure it was George who came up with it. Um, who, who had the idea of putting it in whatever that episode was, the first one in season four, I think. And, but I feel like before that it was in Archie, um, it's in the, in the fifties and sixties. And I don't think it was people, people didn't say yoink, but you would see it like written on the page when, you know, Reggie (laughs) would grab the milkshake out of Archie's hand at the chocolate shop. It would say yoink. Uh, so aside from Archie, uh, what are some of the other, areas that you pulled from or were inspired by when you guys were working on the show? I mean, I mean, we obviously, as you can see from this episode, we pulled from all sorts of stuff. Um, but I think that like in general, the types of stuff we pulled from was old mad magazines. I've said this many times. I mean, the vast majority of people who were writing comedy in this era grew up, you know, just like people I think today in comedy grew up watching these Simpsons episodes when we were, kids everybody read mad magazine because it was like the only thing that 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 displayed that sense of humor and that's kind of where you got your sense of humor from so um and seriously like mad only came out once every month and a half there weren't any shows like this on tv until saturday Night live was invented even that was a little grown up um so like i'm talking about like kids who grew up in the early 70s um it was mad was pretty much it and then cracked you sometimes you have to buy crack because you couldn't wait for something until <laughs> Mad the next Mad came out, but yeah. that was about it. Oh, Wacky Packs, and that was a, honestly like that was the extent of it. I uh, I love when when Bart walks by the Mad uh, magazine offices. <laughs> oh, oh, me yeah. too. I just saw that. Is that cut out in syndication? I feel like I just saw that for the first time recently, and I loved it. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes me think of pretty much like any entertainment office that I've ever walked into or, or worked <laughs> in, you know, that you think that it's going to be the circus. Yeah. Well, I think it would have been so easy to crap on, Matt. You know, like it would have been so easy. When I saw that, I was like, I, I had to pat ourselves on the back for doing that because it would have been so easy just to show it as a broken down old place full of old, you know, old men. Right. But like, I was like, no, we want to make Matt, we want to. We want to make Mad look awesome, just like kids always dream it 
it is. Right. Um, and that there's actually an Alfred E. Newman working there and all those crazy nuts, <laughs> you know, from those days are doing their, um, doing their thing. So like, I'm glad, I'm glad honestly that we gave Matt a shout out and, and, and we didn't try to run them down, but we tried to build them up. Yeah. And it's so relatable from a child's perspective too. Cause I, I mean, I thought of the Simpsons writer's room as within the same way. Totally. <laughs> Maybe uh, I can guarantee goofy. you it was exactly as disappointing as, <laughs> as <laughs> our vision, our mad that we did not put in would have been. I, there's a part of that that's kind of reassuring because then it's not put on this like crazy, weird, fantastical platform. I don't know. Yeah. You guys stink is basically. I've learned that you guys stink <laughs> is what I'm trying to say. I'm kidding. <laughs> you know what is honestly the case, and it's so aggravating, is that there were more glamorous and exciting and fun parts of The Simpsons, but it was not the writer's room. Like, that's like, there were, like, people doing Hollywood things and having fun and going, like, having, you know, exciting meetings with celebrities and crap, but it was never the writer's room. Right. Like, I remember one time, like, Anheuser-Busch was upset because we used to – there was so much hammering on Duff and how Duff – how beer would give you all sorts of diseases and stuff. So Anheuser-Busch sent these representatives to The Simpsons to give us all these custom-made T-shirts that were Duff T-shirts. Okay. And we didn't even find out about it until they until a few days later when some other dude had met with them and taken all the T-shirts. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Jeez. What a jerk. I know. <laughs> I know, but that, that kind of thing happened all Matt the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's great. Well, what are some other Halloween-y uh, moments that you remember? You know, okay, I know I've said this before, but, like, people didn't – okay, we had a lot of friends who worked on Seinfeld at that same time. Mm-hmm. And every time Seinfeld would mention something, they would get, like, huge crates of it for free, <laughs> like Drake's Cakes or, like, whatever those shoes were and anything like that. like shirts. Yeah, <laughs> and we—that never happened on The Simpsons. Like one, t- the only one time in the entire series that I was there did that we ever get anything from the company, and it was Stridex pads. <laughs> How did that? Come it was out? like it was. You remember in the April Fool's episode where the the kid says Stridex? Oh, the, Bart says I'm giving. A, there's somebody outside giving away free Stridex pads, and oh, yeah. the teenage nerd says, "Oh, I'm Pizza Face Paradise." Yeah. <laughs> Like a few weeks later, a box, a crate of Stridex pads showed up um, that said, thank you for making Stridex the pad of choice in Pizza Face Paradise. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's actually adorable. That's fun. They get it. But never, never again did anything come like that from a company, um, no matter what we mentioned. I mean, we didn't really do it on purpose, but it was, um, I think it was to show you that there weren't a lot of like grownups in corporate management positions watching The Simpsons in the 90s. <laughs> what a shame. Yeah. Um, oh, but we did get stuff from celebrities sometimes, which was cool. Like, you know, Paul Anka, the whole reason we had Paul Anka on in that Halloween episode singing that song was that we had made, there was some joke in a script that Josh and I wrote about um, Marge saying like, oh, you're my Paul Anka or my Rex Harrison or something to Homer, some sort of sweet endearment. And um, then Paul Anka sent us this really nice letter. So we were like, oh, let's, let's have him sing that song in the, in the Halloween episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it also happened – oh, with Marty Ingalls, that was the best thing. Remember when Krusty was saying <laughs> – when Krusty was talking about Shirley Jones and Marty Ingalls' New Year's party? Yeah. Okay, Marty Ingalls sent us a um, an assortment of, like, schnapps oh, uh, in gratitude for talking about how awesome his New Year's Eve party was. <laughs> and I appreciated that. But that's – no, that and the Stratix pads were pretty much that. That's it. <laughs> Nothing from Andy Williams? Nothing from <laughs> – no, I don't think Andy Williams liked that. Re- if he really? ever heard of that reference, he didn't oh, like. God, I love That's that scene. Julia's so favorite much. thing. That is my favorite thing. Well, we you can... mean he still got it? Look, magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andy yeah, exactly. Williams <laughs> still got it. Um, well, I think about any time that I go to like anything, you know, theater related, concert related, whatever. I feel like Nelson sitting in the seat with my. I didn't eyes think he was going to do Moon River and then Bam second encore. Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah. was George. He said that he just came out of his mouth completely like that. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> and it's also one of the few, uh, my mom uh, watched The Simpsons a little bit when uh, I was growing up, but but not as much as uh, me and my dad, not as much as me. Uh, but uh, that's one of the few quotes that we can go back and forth with and, and just laugh and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Uh, so what are some other uh, moments or episodes or things that you've worked on that you, you do rewatch and they are things that you're super proud of? I understand it 
must be hard to not be critical of your own work, but are there any moments that you're just super all about? Well, I like, you know, I've already said that I like the steamed hams thing. And I should say that I didn't know that that was fun. It was really hard to tell whether that was funny or not when I wrote it. Like, I wrote that thing. I sat down and wrote it, like, in one two-hour session sitting in this hotel lobby while waiting for my wife. Um, and I had no idea whether it was funny. And literally, I remember giving it to, like, Greg, and he kind of read it, and he didn't laugh at all. And I was like, ah, well, it was worth a shot. <laughs> and and but And I don't think... I don't even recall it being that funny then. I think it may have just, I don't know. It's hard to explain why people like stuff like that because um, there aren't really any jokes per se. There's a couple, but anyway, so I should say that it was not written with a great deal of confidence. It was more like, I love it when, Ch I always loved it when Chalmers would do that thing with Skinner where he kind of believes Skinner's mild lies. <laughs> and I was like, I want to do a million of those in a row. So I wrote that thing, but it didn't really have like it didn't have what are known as traditional gags. Right. Um, so I, I had a I, I was pleased when years later people started telling me that they liked it. Um, at the time, it's it was impossible to tell because like when you're doing these things with no internet, you have no idea whether people like them out in right. the general world. And and I should just say that everybody posting on the internet in 1996 hated everything. So there was no point in reading that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think because it just, it, it further develops that relationship and that dynamic and, and, and it generates a feeling than, you know, the classic set of punchline gags. Yeah, I mean, it's also, it's very unsimpsonsy because it, it, it allows the scene to breathe to a crazy extent. Like usually everything on The Simpsons is so rushed, 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 like the scenes are two lines long. And this was just like, taking three or four solid minutes to have a really slow <laughs> conversation with very few jokes. Um, I think that the, it was just, it was shocking. in in the fact that it was such a waste of airtime. <laughs> right, right. And it's the, you know, it's the perfect people to have that scene between. Right. I love their dynamic and would, I would watch a show that's just them, just the odd couple. I know. Of it's, them. it's so great. Yeah. Yeah. I just love it. I love it when Skinner's trying to cover up and, and failing <laughs> fantastically. I think, I think Skinner might be my favorite B character. Really? I think so. I, I love any time that he's, uh, the focal point of an episode. Uh, he's very pathetic in some ways, but extremely charming in others. Yeah, there's an endearing quality. He's very human. I mean, that's why Josh and I wrote that Sweet Seymour, Sweet Seymour Skinner's episode, because like, our school was totally filled with guys just like that. Like, I would say 70% of our teachers were just like Principal Skinner. Yeah. And we, like, I mean, they have, there's a certain humanity to those guys, but you do know that they live with their mom, and they conduct classical music to their reel-to-reel -reel tape recorders and drink <laughs> diet caffeine-free Dr. Pepper. And, like, I don't know. They're, they're comfortable in that sort of life. Uh, him, him choosing what fabric softener to use. Oh, man, yeah. That's another one where it's just, like, we're slowing down. Like, it, it, it's an, a waste of airtime type thing where we're going to have him slowly debate <laughs> nine different types of detergent with one-syllable names. Um, it's so savory. I, I love when that happens. And, right. it, and it is because it's uh, put up against those faster jokes yeah. that we're used to. Right. And, and though he is a sad character, he's so content that we don't <laughs> pity him necessarily, I, I feel. Yeah. Definitely. No, until he becomes Armitam Zarian and the whole series falls apart. Don't worry about that. <laughs> yes. Let's not even get into that for no, a whole no, other podcast. <laughs> we shall not speak Why its name. people? I can't. I, I'm <laughs> People are so weird in what they decide to like and hate. <laughs> I can understand that people don't like that episode. I totally get it. And I think if, again, I've said this in the commentaries, I think if we had it to do over again, there would be some sort of wraparound that was like this, like the 22 short films wraparound or, or the, you know, the Halloween show wraparound where we realize, we say that this takes place in a different reality or it's someone's dream or something because people just couldn't grok the whole, you know, this rewriting of his backstory, which I agree is, is, kind of scary and upsetting yeah scary i think is the right word there just because anytime that something really changes yeah the foundation of the show and you might feel a little lied to in the way that the town was mm -hmm. uh so i get it i i mean i i love that no i like his original i mean it really goes to a much deeper level like you could write a whole you know a master's 
thesis about the topic of people being upset by the rewriting of someone's backstory. And I agree that like his original backstory is far superior to his backstory as Armin Tamzarian. But the joke is you're going to have to forget it and go back to his original backstory. And I think it was hard for people to do that. And, and, it, and probably in retrospect, it's hard for everybody, including us, to do that. Yeah, and huge shifts in the show um, like that, and, and I would say uh, Maud Flanders dying. Right. Um, you know, they, they were a real test to to what this what Springfield means to the fans, I'm sure. Yeah. Well, Ma- I mean, uh, well, also, but like Milhouse, people didn't seem to have the same reaction to Milhouse's parents getting divorced, I guess, because nobody knew that much about Milhouse's personal life anyway. Yeah. But we were kind of like, there was a debate back then even like, should we really have them stay divorced? And then we were like, yeah, I mean, that's it's such a it's so much more realistic than having them reconcile at the end of the episode yeah. that they stay divorced forever and i'm so glad that they did too just because when you're watching a show like this like it does kind of you have your own family and then the tv families you look at as kind of what informs you of real life and it it's a very real thing that your yeah. friends parents if not your own parents are going to get split up right and right. so it's kind of nice to see that he's fine still yeah. You know, it, it, it honestly was, uh, it provided a little bit of hope in addition. Oh, to yeah. Him. Milhouse does, didn't do better after Kirk. It was Kirk who was holding that family back, obviously. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. And I love that <laughs> moment, too, at the end of that episode. It's like, what do you say, Luann? Will you give this another shot? Will you marry oh. me again? Ooh, no. You know. That's so good. Uh, <laughs> I love it so much. God, so many of my favorite lines of The Simpsons are in that episode. Yeah. Uh, Dignity's the, great. Yeah, Dignity. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I always like when Kirk is being fired. And he's like, that's it. Goodbye and good luck. He just says, I don't recall saying good luck. <laughs> yeah, I love that one, too. I say that all the time. Yeah, little moments like that were, were so that great. Or that he works at a crack. Cracker factory. <laughs> He's a big wheel at the Cracker Factory, or he was. Yeah. Uh, it's so good. Oh yeah, that's from the. Um, I just saw that episode. That's from the Homie the Clown episode, where where, where Melhouse is bragging and says, "I don't know, Bart. My dad's a pretty good wheel, pretty big wheel down at the Cracker Factory." <laughs> right, right, right. That's where that came from, and I think it was just it was just a throwaway joke back then. But then we kept, we used it several more times, like yeah. on the, the Take Your Kid to Work Day. Oh. Which is such a great episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, what does he say? Like, do you want to see where we put the peanuts? Like, the peanut butter inside the crackers, and they have to, like, put on hard hats and, like, slide down a fireman's pole. It's really fun. Yeah. I, I love any absurdist reality type yeah. jokes where, where of course, it's a cartoon. Right, right. <laughs> like but if, yeah, he works at, like, a Willy Wonka factory yeah. cracker factory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's funny to think of The Simpsons as a cartoon, really, because it just seems so. It seems and feels so real at times. Yeah. So when uh, when the jokes become very uh, crazy and and illustrative, like it it kind of takes you out of it in a very fun way that yeah. you kind of forget can happen. Right. So I always really like when it gets super weird, like. Uh, yeah, that's that was I think that was supposed to be sort of baked into the series from day one. And I recall Matt always saying this thing about the rubber band of reality is that you're you know, you can take it as far out as you want, but it's got to snap back to the um, to the reality of the show, yeah. basically. And that was like I thought that was it's a really good metaphor for the way that the best parts of the show worked is that there is a pretty standard reality in Springfield and in the family, but you can expand it as need be for certain jokes and things, you know? Definitely. Uh, are there any other examples of uh, story arcs or things that you wanted to do but never got a chance to on The Simpsons? No. We were running out of ideas by the... Really? <laughs> that's the whole... I mean, that's we the way... We noticed. I we got out of there fast. Like, we were like, this show is going to be over. <laughs> you know, that famous last words, this show is going to be over in six months. <laughs> we were like, we got to get out of here while the getting is good, we said in 1990. Yeah. Five. <laughs> Maybe that's a good place to hang out in in, in your head, <laughs> so that you, you know, you. Uh, I hate using this word, but you YOLO it up. I'm gonna go. <laughs> bye. <laughs> no, but you, you, you know, put the pedal to the metal as far as like getting out all the ideas that you really want to explore. Well, we had like uh, we came into the job with like we had like 15 ideas that we wanted to do, that we desperately wanted to do, and then with the help of the staff, we came up with like. 28 more ideas that we just couldn't wait to do but by the end we had burned all those up and then it was like okay we've got to have another episode what are we going to do okay let's take that old idea from season two that they never did about lisa going to the military academy and make somebody write that you know that was like at the end we were like okay we're 
we got to just crank it out till the end and, and, and leave. <laughs> so, um, no, that was definitely what happened. I think we left. We wanted to leave while we didn't want to start phoning it in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Very wise, too. I mean, yeah, just to have that instinct. Because, of course, there's so many people in Hollywood, so many writers that just sort of, like, go until <laughs> till the tank is empty and then keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. <laughs> so you spoke about, we normally ask our guests which um, character you identify with most. Would you say Skinner? Or no, no. Superintendent Chalmers is the character I identify oh. with most. <laughs> really? That's, that's why I chose that. Because, oh, like, oh. I... I love – okay, Green Acres. I love the show Green Acres. Okay. Um, it was my favorite show as a kid, and S- Superintendent Chalmers occupies very much the same character territory as Eddie Albert did starring in Green Acres, where he is the only sane person in this crazy town. Mm-hmm. Um, and I that's the way I feel all the time. <laughs> so I, I like that kind of comedy where you think you're sane – and that you're making sense, but everyone else seems to have this crazy logic that they're operating on, and you kind of just go, okay, fine. And that's what that's what Chalmers does because he's like, okay, never. He he knows that Skinner's lying, and he's making up these crazy lies, but he's just okay, never mind. He doesn't bother right, right. to ask past the first or second question, <laughs> and um, that and that's the same with that was the same with Eddie Albert. Yeah, as Oliver Wendell Douglas in Green Acres, where he would just give up, uh, 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 even though. Uh, they clearly weren't making any sense. Um, anyway, I like that kind of character, and that's why I like Chalmers. Yeah, the yeah. end. <laughs> no, no, it's great, too. And I, I think that it, it, it definitely, like, th- there are questions that need to be addressed, um, but it doesn't slow the momentum down, really. <laughs> well, that's the same thing. To some extent, Frank Grimes is very much like that, yeah. too, because he's, like, he's completely right about all, all Frank Grimes' complaints are completely right. But nobody cares enough to pursue it beyond the first or second sentence. Uh, it's it's so frustrating from the point of Frank Grimes. <laughs> yeah, uh, that, totally. That's such a it's important a historic episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. I have my Frank Grimes song. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's so funny. Josh was talking to us about people really responding uh, negatively to that episode just because it was such a crazy a thing departure. to have a character die. Well, and also it, it was the first time that we saw Homer as kind of a villain. Yeah, I don't think people were ready for that episode when it aired, and it, it like it didn't receive a lot of. I mean, it didn't receive a lot of acclaim. And we got a couple of good, uh, letters from people. I'm sure Josh already covered this from people who felt that it, in, that Frank was their hero because he was so right, and they were stuck in similar situations. But uh, ultimately, it didn't. Um, you know, it just kind of landed with a, with a nothing and went on. And that was also because so many people, like I said, there weren't a lot of grown-ups watching the show. Despite what we all like to think, there weren't a lot of people over 20 to 25 watching the show back then. And I think that, like, as the people watching who watched that as a kid got older and saw more of, like, the dark satire of real Amer- modern American life <laughs> in Frank Grimes, <laughs> right. the more they began to appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. He was, I mean, it, there are a few moments in The Simpsons that, that really, really uh, show this off, but he was one of the few people that was sort of like, you know, um, the perspective of the viewer maybe calling out Homer on his bullshit. Uh, I, I would say that he's uh, a character like that and um, the John Waters character that came in and not calling out on bullshit, but commenting on, you know, like the the corn drapes and like all these things right. that we've just sort of accepted. <laughs> The difference, but this is, you know what, this is, I, theoretically, in theory, Superintendent Chalmers are Frank Grimes, and Frank Grimes are very similar, except that Superintendent Chalmers learned to function in Springfield by not asking past the first or second question. Right. Whereas Frank just couldn't let it rest. He just couldn't let it rest, and he pursued it all the way to the bitter end. Learning to function in Springfield, that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how I would fare. Really? If you lived in Springfield? I feel like I would love it, but th- that you never know until you're there. <laughs> yeah, whatever happened to that Simpsons house? <laughs> it's got you got to be like the kind of person who can live in Florida. You know, <laughs> and, and the kind of person who can live and function comfortably in Florida today where you're like, this place is crazy. There's a lot of criminals. There's a lot of drugs. The political system is totally messed up. But hey, you know what? It's sunny and there's a beach, so fine. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, you got to get into a different headspace with that. And it takes a certain <laughs> kind of person, and God bless them. <laughs> exactly. City dweller till I die, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I, I keep kind of harping on this, uh, this Simpsons marathon, uh, but it's, it's kind of more about just how your perception of the show or uh, the audience, uh, everything, when the internet started becoming, for people that are not just bullies who want to tell you that it's the worst episode ever, um, once things like Twitter started happening, uh, did it change anything for you in terms of uh, your you opinion? Yeah, thought of the show? Um, I think I realized that there were more people who liked the stuff than hated it. Um, I'd say, now to be honest, I mean, to be completely fair about all TV Simpsons, it, there usually were, it was more like 50-50, but the people, the, the negative 50 were so loud and so strident about it that it was very hard to get any general sense of what people thought of episodes or seasons in general. Um, I think with Twitter and things like um, No Homers, I think we yeah. got to find we got a slightly more populist take on the show. And I think we found that certain stuff that we didn't know people liked, they actually did like, like Frank Grimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God. I mean, so much. There are Frank Grimes pencils that are sold. I've purchased <laughs> them two separate times. If I you go really, on eBay. really, really want those. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. And, and, I didn't know about point. that. Yeah. You got to get on that. I think they're uh, shipped out of China. ebay will figure it out but yeah i feel like there's if there's anything from the simpsons that you can think of that could be turned into merchandise you know somebody's made it or hand stitched it or yeah (laughs) the internet has really opened it up for fandom in that way yeah oh definitely julia has made a down with homework t-shirt yes I've made it down with homework t-shirt. I've made I have written three or four songs. <laughs> I Yeah, my go-to gift for one year, my sister and I, and this is kind of like a weird gift of the Magi, but but not quite. Like we, she's an artist and we both made uh, each other something Simpsons related that was art. Um, I created this like felt portrait of um, Nuke the Whales. <laughs> and, Somebody's uh, got to do it. And she, she made me like a, an illustration in Photoshop that was, um, I hate it when the waffles stick to together oh, yeah sticking, sticking together is what good waffles do <laughs> oh, I yeah love that line. and i've made an inanimate carbon rod and that, that i put in a shadow box anyway i'm reaping the benefits off of your creation um and i will give you no money <laughs> uh do you have any closing thoughts that you could leave us with about uh either 22 short films or just your experience working on the show oh i think i would need some time to come up with something cogent <laughs> I don't have any, um no uh, uh i'm very grateful you know what i would just say that i'm very grateful that uh this material has stood the tra- test of time and that certain types of things that we thought specifically josh and i thought that only we liked you know meaning like steamed hams frank grimes things of that nature that that they have they did indeed apparently have an audience and a following and that the internet has only made it more possible um for the for the, you know for that to be clear, thank you. That was really boring, but I'm glad <laughs> no, I said no, it. That was perfect. <laughs> God, and thanks so much for being on the show. This is really really great talking with you about this. Yeah, this has been a treat. Thank you so much. My pleasure. All right, guys. I hope I can come back again sometime. Yeah, yes. we would love to have you. Awesome. All right. Bye. 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 <laughs> That was our episode with Bill motherfucking Oakley. Bill motherfucking Oakley. Which he would Oakley. never say. <laughs> As we learned, he was very timid and cursing. But that was such a great episode. I was... Uh, oh, uh, what a treat. Could you hear my smile? I was beaming. Fortunately, Bill... Fortunately and unfortunately, that was a Skype interview. Uh, unfortunate because we weren't in the same room. Fortunate because we weren't in the same room and he didn't see me clasping my heart, right, <laughs> which right. I did a few times. But but what if, like, because <laughs> you could tell by listening to it that it was a Skype interview just because it has that tinniness to it. But, like, what if, what if it wasn't that we just made him <laughs> do the interview with that's us in the room through Skype? That's just how he talks. That's just how, yeah. That's just, it's sort of like um, John from Delocated with, like, the voice. 
uh, control thing. I love that. Or or on Portlandia <laughs> when Carrie does the macho dude character mm-hmm. and they, they deepen <laughs> her voice. Which, by the way, guys, if you um, don't, well, let me say this this way. Um, don't make the mistake of forgetting how good Portlandia is. I am Do yourself the it. favor of remembering how good Portlandia Do is. Nev- here are things that you should never forget. Your mother's birthday, 9-11, and that Portlandia is a really great show. And, and The Simpsons. And that, and that you could listen to our episodes <laughs> once a week on iTunes and Geek Nation. Yeah, and you should subscribe <laughs> to us. Uh, we don't have a crusty Q uh, this week because we forgot. And um, <laughs> hi, we're a professional podcast. Uh, but they're going to come back, and we have a little if bit of... If you're good. If you're good. <laughs> um, by the time that this episode is up, we have started already um, recording something very, uh, very fun and exciting. Very, very, very pretty. Very pretty. <laughs> I went to the Steely Dan show and... Um, Larry David was there? <laughs> he, uh, what's his name? What is the... This is going to kill me and some, but few listeners. Not Donald Fagan, but the other one, because uh, <laughs> oh I can't remember his name. But he he had a lot of good talkie bits, and one of them Ooh. he was. Uh, I he wasn't allowed to see people's talkie bits <laughs> until I was a certain age. You know, uh, there's there's. I don't want to get gross. <laughs> <laughs> I was going, and I wa- and I had to stop. Um, but it'll be um, everything's going to get podcast after dark. <laughs> Can we? Oh, God, But, no. uh, but uh, <laughs> way to shoot that down without even giving it the time of day. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> what's his face? Steely Dan said. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Steely Dan said. <laughs> yes. That's uh, like, I love saying, like, whoever invented Monopoly. You know, Mr. Mr. Monopoly. Monopoly. <laughs> I like that. Hair. That's a joke. It's that's a fun uh, joke. You do it all the time. Works so works it's so like, well. I know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> the, uh, it's, uh, it's, it doesn't matter who actually invented this thing. Yeah, the executive of Carl's Jr. Oh, Mr. Carl's Mr. Jr. Carl? <laughs> but anyway, uh, he said uh, he said uh, something was pretty 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 good and on stage? on stage well not to me personally but it was so exciting to yeah. have all of my worlds coming together absolutely and it was at the bowl which to me is where the simpsons lived yes so because we went to simpsons take the bowl mm-hmm. that is correct well okay but getting back to um but what is pretty 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 good um <laughs> <laughs> i love saying it very quickly uh ali and i are starting our show it's the ali and julia show yay so very excited we're going to be working with this company called Dronebox labs or i think maybe Dronebox. it's Dronebox production mm-hmm. something um but they uh, <laughs> they love us they love <laughs> us um but we are going to be uh shooting a show that's going to be kind of cable access style yeah we had been wanting to for a while to transition into videos and doing some on camera e stuff um, just because we really like hanging out, and yeah. we want you guys to reap the benefits of that. Because I mean, uh, if you get a chance to hang out with us, guys, I mean, run, don't walk. It's uh, it's real fun. Uh, we'll talk about being vegan a little bit, you know. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll laugh and stuff. Um, there'll be a lot of books that we uh, that we'll talk about. You know, we need to read, but we haven't actually read. Yeah, there'll be a lot of us claiming to be bigger readers than we are. Yeah, that's yeah. basically the show. <laughs> that's the pitch for the show. We so, what do you think? Miss Mr. NBC, do we got a deal? Or Mrs. NBC. Ooh, yes, <laughs> feminism. I'm familiar. But anyway, t- getting to, to the real point So here. I says to Mabel, I so says. So I says to Mabel, I says, uh, we are going to be doing a show. It will be in some way related to this podcast. It, will, it won't be, you know, the podcast, the show, but it'll be us. Um, and I think one of our episodes is definitely going to be a video episode of a podcast, which we will also take the audio of and put on iTunes. Yes. But um, we're going to start experimenting with that and our idea for it is sort of like a Wayne's Worldy Chris Gethard show but with um, two ladies so anything is possible and hey if you're in the Los Angeles area we've already had one person reach out to us um, who wants to help out with production which is so great and we're going to get back to you and talk to you about the details but if you have an idea for a segment if you want to be on the show if you want to be in the audience of the show if you want anything to do with the show we're going to be shooting it in Boyle Heights the great name Boyle 
height. That sounds like a good place to go on a date if Ooh. you were a Simpsons fan. Hey, that's exactly what I was getting to. We mentioned weeks ago that we were going to be doing um, a Love Connection Simpsons episode of our podcast. Um, and we're definitely going to be doing that with the show. Yes, we are. So if you want to... <laughs> seriously, singles, if you want hey, to singles. be paired up... Hey, singles. Do you mind if I call you singles? Um, if you want to be paired up with another Simpsons fan, if you, you've got a, an open heart, uh, uh, open eyes, can't lose, what's the word from Friday Night? lights oh that's on you i don't know i don't know <laughs> anyway if you want to that's on you i love that um if you want to if you want to be paired up with another simpsons fan uh we want to be your matchmakers and we're going to make it a great segment we're going to be doing you know weird cooking segments because surprise surprise they've got uh, a kitchen set so we're very excited um the studio is so great uh they also want run great comedy shows out of there and that's how i learned about them um joe star and brock wilbur have a great show um called Comedy Emulator. And uh, you should check that out, and you should check out their website. But yeah, coming soon, the Allie and Julia show. It's going to be great and weird. It's going to have, I think, a feel of Wayne's World, but also like a feel of, um, you know, uh, remember, remember in the 60s uh, when... Uh, <laughs> Uh, when people like Vampira had TV shows yes. um, where they would uh, do like late night, you know, uh, movie screenings and they would have a little bit, stuff like that. It's going to be kind of like that, too. Yeah. It's going to be a grab bag of all these fun things. So we're very excited to announce that um, in more detail. And we want to hear from you guys. So please keep um, emailing us at everythingscominguppodcast at gmail.com. Um, DM us or fave us or retweet us or whatever on our Twitter at Simpsons Pod. Uh, send me messages on OkCupid. Uh, could eat at Arby's. Could eat at Arby's. That's a good one. Um, she is a good responder. Her percentage to respond <laughs> is about 92%. <laughs> that is so inaccurate. She is accurate. <laughs> that is not true. She's accurate true. in the, her responses. <laughs> she's very truthful. She's active as kind. well. Kind. That is actually the word I meant to say. And then you just say a whole other word. You remember when you do that? And Remember um, the 60s? Remember the 60s? Uh, let's do a throwback to that time. That's actually my favorite <laughs> dumb joke of like a visibly young person being like, for the 50s and uh, they're like sea cresting it up yeah yeah totally we could have that on the show too anything goes anything goes uh if you want to if you want to intern for our show god what 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 weirdness if you want to write for our show yeah if you want to do anything maybe i should do a craigslist cattle call that'd be fun yeah, you never know what you're going to find. I think that we're we're letting you see such uh, fun, dark corners of our <laughs> thinking process right now. <laughs> it's going to be great. So, yeah, it's going to be um, uh, live streamed um, or streamed on their website. But then we'll also, I think, have clip segments that we'll post on our Twitter and stuff like that. But anyway. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yes, remember fun. Remember having a good time. I don't. Um, there's a great line from, have you ever seen Nirva Nirvana, the band, the show? No. Okay. So this is something that my boyfriend Mike um, hit me to, but it's a Canadian um, sketch duo-y group. And they um, have a web series called Nirvana, the band, the show. Um, because they're in a band called Nirvana the Band. No, 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 it's different. It's not Nirvana. It's Nirvana the Band. Like, that, <laughs> that's a true thing. They're constantly on the phone. But um, there's one moment in, in an episode where one of the characters sincerely says, nothing like a good feeling. <laughs> <laughs> and so Mike and I, we constantly are like, nothing like a good feeling. I love that. You know? Yeah, it's so good. It's so pure. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. God, and you know what? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. Yeah, like, we have we a ton of fun. We have a ton of fun, as you can see, and we feel like just really touched by um, all the listeners reaching out and saying, hey, good job. All the listeners reaching out and saying, hey, go you fuck could, yourself. You could do better. No. <laughs> um, no, it's it's great. And, and um, this is one of the fav my favorite things that I do. Same here. And um, it's, it's yeah, a treat. Uh, it'd be it'd be we've said it before, but we'd be doing this whether people were listening or not. Yeah. The fact that there are people listening makes it that much more fun for us so thank you yeah and uh good night and good luck <laughs> i don't oh recall God. saying good luck i don't recall saying good luck <laughs> bye bye